Some people think that Jesus was Irish because he was always telling stories and he liked to walk in green pastures. Others think Jesus was Italian because he had wine at every meal and he used olive oil. Still others think Jesus was a Californian because he never cut his hair, he walked around in sandals, and he started a new religion. But we know, of course, that Jesus was Jewish. And a very important part of today's reading is the role of the Israelites as God's chosen people. So we know that God chose Abraham and his descendants for a special relationship to live in a covenant relationship with him. And God never really explains why them and not some other people. Chapter 7 of Deuteronomy, this is what we hear. It was not because you are more numerous than all the peoples that the Lord set his heart on you and chose you, for you are really the smallest of all the people. It was because the Lord loved you because of the fidelity of the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. So it's not really an answer. God chooses whom he chooses. Now, when God chose Abraham, he promised him many things. He promised him that he would have land, that he would have descendants, that they would be blessed. But also, and this is important, all the other nations of the world, all the world would be blessed through Abraham's descendants. So you see that God chose them, but not only for their own benefit, but rather he chose them for the benefit of everyone, that he might form a people of his own. He might form them after his own heart, that they might be an example to the other nations of the earth of what it means, what it means to live in harmony with God's will. And we see this throughout the Old Testament, this idea of Israel's election, its specialness, its relationship with God, which, by the way, involved also many duties, right? Um, and also, we see, though, a theme of um, anticipating a time when foreigners, when the Gentiles, the pagans, would be joined to God's people. And in fact, Isaiah, our first reading, is about that. What does Isaiah say? He says, that foreigners will join themselves to the Lord and that God's house would become a house of prayer for all people. And so this is the background of the setting for the encounter that Jesus has with the, the Canaanite woman. So this woman is, again, a non-Israelite. In fact, she's a Canaanite, and if you know your Old Testament, you'll know that these were ancient enemies of the Israelites. And they did many horrible things. Uh, they used to practice child sacrifice. And so this woman, who's a pagan, part of the enemies of Israel, comes to Jesus to ask for a favor. Her daughter is being uh, possessed by a demon. And many people don't like the way Jesus responds to her in the gospel. It, um, first of all, he ignores her. Um, and then when the disciples press him about it, he explains that he was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, this is very important. We see, right, Jesus did not travel the world uh, saying he was the Messiah. He was focusing almost all of his time and energy on the Israelites, right? They were the people that God had spent centuries forming. And in fact, Jesus' significance and meaning would all, could only be fully understood in light of their history and what God had been foreshadowing before. Nonetheless, 
Jesus, after his resurrection, at the ascension, what does he tell the apostles to do? And then he says, go out to all the world, make disciples of everyone, right? So Jesus' earthly ministry is focused on the Israelites with the intention of commissioning them to bring the good news to the ends of the earth. And so this woman coming to Jesus, and there's a couple other examples. Remember, there's a Roman centurion who seeks Jesus' help. So there's some of these examples of, of um, foreshadowing of the spread of the covenant to all the peoples of the earth. And the woman, when she approaches Jesus, how does she address him? Lord, son of David. She's expressing the Jewish faith in the Messiah, right? The son of, the, the son of David, who'd be this anointed king. So she's recognizing Jesus as the one foretold by the Jewish prophets. And you would think that Jesus would be impressed by that. You would think maybe, if not that, it's just his heart would be moved with compassion for the plight, her, you know, her desperate plea for her daughter who's suffering. But he rejects her request, and then, and then he gives her kind of an insult. It is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. Right? So this poor woman, you know, basically, uh, you know, what part of no don't you understand, she's being told. But she doesn't quit. In fact, she also doesn't become angry. And she doesn't deny Jesus' premise that as a pagan, she was outside the covenant that God had established with Israel. She responds with humility and persistence and, I would say, good wit. Even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. And with that, what happens? Her request is granted. In fact, at that moment, her daughter is healed. So why is Jesus making things so difficult for her? So it's, he's kind of playing hard to get. Many years ago, a couple of ladies wrote a series of books called The Rules. And what they do is they advise women on what, how to how to get a man to want to marry you. And so they advise playing hard to get. So you don't, you're not supposed to return every text or phone call from the man. Now, I don't know if that's a good strategy. I'll let you married couples uh, opine on that. Um, but there is an idea that, um, that people appreciate something more if it is hard to attain than, than something that comes easy. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think something that, that comes to us easily, often we take for granted, whereas something that we've had to work for, we, we do appreciate and we value it. Now, ancient monasteries used to employ this, this psychology a little bit. When there was uh, applicants who wanted to join the, the monasteries to become a monk, they wouldn't just let them in right away and like, yeah, you can be a monk. They would test them. Oftentimes the testing would involve the monk having to, to wait outside and they knock on the door and they'd be like, Get, you know, leave, we're full, you don't cut it. But if he persisted, uh, that was uh, a sign to them of his desire to really want to be a monk and be willing to endure hardships to be a monk. And so it was a sign of his fitness for the monastery, and indeed then they would let him in. So Jesus is doing something similar, and we can say he is, he is testing the Canaanite woman. And he's not testing her because he is ignorant of her faith. Remember, Jesus can read people's hearts. But rather, he tests her first that she might realize how deep her faith is. And secondly, um, through this exercise of desire, that she might open her heart to receive the better gifts that Jesus wanted to give her. Okay? 
And I, I, I use this language from a, a wonderful insight that St. Augustine expressed when he was in, in correspondence. He was being asked, why, why doesn't God answer our prayers right away? Or sometimes it doesn't seem like he's answering them at all. This is what the great saint wrote. God wants us to exercise our desires through prayer that we may be able to receive what he is preparing to give us. His gift is very great indeed, but our capacity is too small and limited to receive it. So what is this great gift? What is this gift that I say is more valuable than the, woman's, the healing of the woman's daughter? This gift is nothing other than union with God. This is all the gifts are contained in union with God. This is what he wants to give us. And actually only through testing oftentimes can we become open to receive that great gift, the gift above all gifts. Sometimes the church has to play hard to get. You know, we, you can't just show up as an adult and say, I want to be Catholic and we baptize you tomorrow. Rather, we invite you into a process. We used to call it RCIA, we still call it RCIA. Technically, it's OCIA, now the Order of Christian Initiation of Adults. It's about eight months long. It involves weekly meetings, about learning about the faith so that you can actually then say with knowledge and integrity, I believe, the Catholic faith. Um, also, too, to intro introduce people into the way of life that we live and into the community that we are. And oftentimes people will show up and they seem enthusiastic to become Catholics and, you know, they just kind of drop off. And we, we've come to peace with that because we realize they're just not ready yet, right? They can't, if they're not going to be able to come to weekly, you know, preparation, they're not going to commit themselves to the Christian life. And indeed, this is the thing. See, on one hand, Christianity is is a religion of just God's gift, what God does for us, that we don't do anything in advance that merits it. But at the same time, Christianity is intended to be a high commitment religion. It's intended to be that way. You know, like even if it's raining, you actually come to Mass, you know? <laughs> or even more commitment than that. Right? Everyone is welcome. They're welcome to learn about the gospel and the way of life it entails. They are welcome to convert to repent of their sins, right, and to live a life of the Beatitudes. They are welcome to take up their cross each day and to follow Jesus. Whether for the Jew or Gentile, to be chosen by God for salvation came with responsibilities. Did you listen carefully to what Isaiah actually says about the foreigners? He says, the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, minister to him, love the name of the Lord, they become his servants, they keep the Sabbath free from profanation, and they hold to my holy covenant. These, the Lord says, I will bring to my holy mountain. The Canaanite woman called Jesus Lord, and we call him the same thing. Do we know what we're saying? Master, do you humbly submit yourself to his will? Jesus' encounter with the Canaanite woman shows us that the good things we really need don't come easy. That we need to persevere and keep seeking the Lord always. With persistence and humility, we grow in faith. And Jesus will say to us, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish.